I look at this thing and I go, oh, no. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> and Steve, he was, he was just so ecstatic. He was like, this is awesome. This is huge. I've never seen one this big. And I, I agree with him. I've never seen a caribou that big before. All right. Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm your host, Tyler Friel. And sitting with me today, I have Brett Evans, a uh, bit of a local legend. In that, the making, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think this bids very well for your podcast, having me on here, because you're, uh, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for content. Well, if you, need to, if you need to buy a house, sell a house, Brett's your man, right? I am. I like to think that I'm the best real estate agent in Fairbanks until August 1st. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot, because I'm yeah. going to be in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, everybody's got their vices, right? Yeah, man's got to live, so... No, I just after spending uh, all uh, all spring and summer in the office, I just I have to go back to the mountains and prove to myself that I'm still a man. Yeah, I can totally understand. Totally so, understand, but uh, yeah, Brett. So I mean, I don't know you super well, so why don't I mean you're telling me as much as everyone else? Um, kind of, what's a little bit of your your backstory? I knew you flew helicopters in the army, right? Yeah, yeah. Before that, I I grew up in Southeast Alaska in the islands, commercial fishing, and and uh, uh, one day I was on the back deck of my old man's fishing boat. Weather was terrible; jellyfish burns on my face, and Coast Guard helicopter goes flying by, and I thought that guy's got a way better job than I got. So <laughs> I quit fishing, joined the army, traveled the world, flew helicopters, went to Iraq and Afghanistan, went to Central America, chased some drugs for for a year down there. And uh, saw a lot of cool places, met a lot of fantastic people, but uh, and killed them, right? <laughs> well, uh, that, <laughs> that's how the saying that, goes. <laughs> that was uh, that was my passenger's job. So I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd fly a bunch of special operators into Habib and Akbar's backyard in the middle of the night, and they'd do the dirty work. And a day or two later, I'd come pick them up and fly them back to uh, back to camp. I bet so. you didn't. Bet you didn't regret that decision when you think back on pulling nets and. <clears throat> no, no, it was. It, uh, that perspective is one of the most valuable things a guy can have and, and being able to travel the world and meet different people and see how different people live. It's just, it, it really makes you see, um, uh, how good we have it and how much people take for granted. Just, just having clean running water in your house and a toilet that flushes means you're living better than, than probably 90% of the world. So I have to say it's pretty, uh pretty awesome we just uh my wife and i since we've been married we've been living in lived in a literally log cabin for the first several years we were married outhouse oh man she's an understanding woman all in buckets she is very understanding and as actually to be honest it was her who initially came up with the idea to save up some money and and it worked it was it was definitely an experience sure makes you appreciate appreciate the the living in the 21st century it it really does i mean that's uh and i and i i get back to that after every hunting season too when i get back to civilization i can take a shower and and wash 10 days of grime down the drain and and have groceries in the fridge and and a cold beer and and just you know enjoy the luxuries of modern life but yeah it, it doesn't seem quite so special until you've been without it yeah 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 uh, the one thing i miss or say miss for about the first month or so we lived here because we bought this place and has the modern, modern amenities. And, uh, every morning I'd catch myself thinking, all right, I need to go outside and take a leak. 
And I, for some reason, I kind of miss that. Sometimes I still do it. Well, you still can. Yeah, I, I visited your post before the <laughs> yeah. podcast out behind your snow machine. There's a big yellow icicle out there, so it, it looks like... Uh, the golden you, the golden glacier, as I, yeah. I like to call it. You, you haven't changed too much. No. So you're still a savage. Yeah, a little bit. You have to hang on to that a little bit, I yeah. think. Can't get too soft. No. <laughs> Can't get too soft, so... But, yeah, Brett, so you've... Uh, I don't know, the biggest thing, I mean, I've been kind of following your stuff and adventures and misadventures for the last year or so you had quite the year last year it was it was a fantastic season and uh, i had a real real low point out in moose camp and then uh finished on a high note so there it was the some the best of times and the worst of times in uh in the mountains in 2017 and we'll get into that but uh started off with uh, a goat hunt out of petersburg out of my hometown with uh um the trooper down there's a friend of mine the brown shirt trooper awesome guy um fantastic person to be in the mountains with he's a hell of a hand in, in camp and in the mountains and just a, an absolute physical powerhouse and we climbed up we got ran across to the mainland and climbed up through about three thousand feet of uh old growth spruce forest Broke into the Alpine, started seeing started seeing some big blacktail bucks on the next mountain back, and uh, and started seeing a bunch of goats, and worked our way back around, dropped into a into a canyon, climbed up the next side, up onto the next mountain, and were pretty much worked for the the first day on our on our infill into goat camp, and uh, and we went to bed looking at a great big four point uh, blacktail buck that gave me the slip at the end of the trip and uh and looking at a bunch of billy goats and of course it's with goat hunting if you've done it it's finding goats is not the problem it's finding a goat that you can kill and retrieve yep i was i was just gonna finish your sentence (laughs) yeah or kill and retrieve or not die trying to kill it or retrieve it so like that's that's um probably the the most scared i've ever been has been on goat hunts and so I, and I'm sure every goat hunter out there has had that moment where you're trying to decide whether whether or not you're going to turn around or chicken out or go back or find a new find a new route or just hope that the blueberry bushes and Devil's Club holds onto the cliffs and, and yeah. scramble up over to the next ledge. So I I love it and hate it all all in the in the same light. Yeah, one of those goat hunts. I think it was actually the first goat hunt I went on. I didn't have the tag, but was going with a buddy and fighting through the alders all day just straight up and down i mean felt like i was in vietnam or something you can't can't see three feet in front of your face and literally climbing up the alders and then at the top of this hill we hit this there's about a six foot i don't know little mini cliff get up on top of that and it's and it's just a nice grass slope up to the top and uh got i don't know 30 40 yards up there and it was raining had been raining all day slipped sliding start sliding and i think i grabbed an alder right as i started to go over the edge but the whole way down thinking this is not going to be good yeah no i i've been there. and that's just one little one little snippet you know that's just goat hunting i mean i personally i think goats are are totally underrated and they're I think they're every bit the trophy that uh, that an Alaska doll sheep is, but they just don't have the headgear that a sheep does, so guys don't get as excited about it. But I've I've hunted both, and I feel that 
and this is just in my extremely limited experience, but I think finding a trophy Billy is every bit as hard as finding a, a trophy doll ram. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd second that. And like you mentioned, you know, finding finding one that you can safely get to and get a shot and then recover them after it's over. I mean, that's, like you said, finding them and, and being able to get them and get them in your backpacks, two totally different things. Well, yeah, and that was the thing that was so special about this hunt is that it all just came together. And we're in southeast Alaska in the in the heart of the 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 Tongass National Rainforest and usually every hunt down there is is in the eye of the hurricane and we climbed up the day before opening season broke out in the alpine there are goats and and deer all over the place and uh went to bed looking at um looking at a bunch of animals woke up the next morning climbed up over the last climbed the last 1500 feet and uh rolled over the top of the ridge and we were just sitting up there having a snack and this great big 10 inch billy rolls around the ridge and we're looking at looking at him and we go holy smokes we should shoot that one yeah. and uh and so we we were at about 400 yards out and we crept into about 250 and lined up on him and my buddy was going to take the take the first shot and he made a real good shot on it and he, the goat was next to a cliff so i i put an insurance round in him and and uh he did a, a nice slow roll down next to a creek and landed on a snowfield then we parted them out on the snowfield and and split the meat in half and and got off the mountain. It was just it was it was it couldn't have gone any better. Man, he actually stopped in that snowfield, huh? Yeah, and it was uh, he stopped in the snowfield and uh, yeah, there's black bear cruising around in the muskeg down below us and and it was blue skies, seventy five degrees. I'll, I'll have to show you a picture, but it was it ended up being a. Uh, like a 10, 10 and an eighth, 10 and a quarter inch billy. Man. And uh, just like, I I don't know if we had him measured after his 60 day drying time, but he was like right on the edge of making books. So not a monster, but he was a, a pretty fantastic representative of Southeast Alaska billy. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's funny. My experience with snowfields has been different. Yeah. <laughs> the last goat I killed, he, uh, it was down on the Chugach just, in some super steep country and he rolled and rolled and rolled and then i uh see he's gonna hit this snow field and i'm like all right that'll stop him and be a great place to cut him up didn't stop him he thinks shot down that thing like a rocket <laughs> just well that turned he, into he turned into a long day huh? yeah yeah we it did not slow him down at all just like he was training <laughs> for the 2018 winter olympics luge yeah yeah gnarly yeah, but did he, did he keep his horns or did he break? He he did keep his horns. He uh, dinged up his face a little bit, which I've always thought it's ironic. Goats, uh, sheep, yeah, goats tend to fall farther and faster, and they're they're a much more robust animal. Like yeah. they're they're just one of the toughest animals I've yep. seen to put down. But their their faces are super fragile. Yeah. Whereas a sheep, you know, they're they're pretty easy to put, you know, they're not near as tough as a goat, I don't think. But, you know, A, their horns kind of protect their face a little bit. And just the skin on their face is yeah. thicker. So they tend to not usually get dinged up as bad as a goat does. Yeah. Well, goats didn't evolve bashing their faces against each other like sheep That's did. true. But that, uh, That's all I can think. I'm not, I'm not a biologist. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, just our speculations. Yeah. That's my best guess is why the, the sheep handle it a little bit better. So, but yeah, that, 
yeah, I've, I've had some sheep take some pretty nasty tumbles, and they they all seem to come out just fine. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they'll I've noticed they'll cut their hair on rocks, and that mm-hmm. you, you don't notice it basically till you get the the cape tanned and everything, and you can if you know what you're looking for, you can see that. Like I've got a couple that have some dings in them, but uh, my, my take on taxidermy is different than most, though. I don't like. I could care less if it looks perfect, and if it gets thrashed out in the field, I think it just kind of adds to the character. Like yeah. The Megaboo that's up in Sportsman's yep. Warehouse now. My buddy Chase let me hang it up there because my old lady doesn't want me to put it in the house. And uh, the velvet's all thrashed on the shovels, and there's a couple of places where the velvet got stripped back and took a small tumble down a scree field. But, hey, we got them out. I mean, yeah. I, I can't believe that I actually just got it out of the field with the... Uh, the velvet intact because it was such a hellacious ordeal to get that animal out of the mountains that was yeah was that a was that before or after your kodiak hunt uh that was that was right after the southeast goat hunt well it's came back from southeast we got that goat and then i flew out in the alaska range and um and went on a sheep hunt and i had a, a caribou tag for the central alaska range and i super lucky drawing that tag i didn't even and i didn't even realize the magnitude of what I had with that with that tag, that's a I probably shouldn't even be sharing that on the podcast, but whatever. Yeah, you I, have to draw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I already drew it, I got mine. But uh <laughs> um we went out and in, in flew out into the range for a week and flew in a couple of days before sheep season and got up in the high country and saw some some pretty magnificent caribou bulls that were we probably saw three or four caribou bulls that I could have taken that were well over 400 inches, but we didn't want to cash in our sheep hunt Yeah, because it was hot. And as soon as we killed a caribou, we were going to have to be out of the field within 48 hours because otherwise we would have lost the meat. So I'm looking at, I have this, car- this trophy caribou tag that I might never draw again. And I'm with my two buddies that have never taken sheep and I want, I'm wanting to get my buddies a ram and... But I'm also looking at these enormous caribou walking around thinking, oh, my God, that's a record book caribou. That's a record book caribou. What the hell am I doing here? Because I'm, I'm completely torn. But I wanted to be a good hunting partner and focus on sheep. And we just, we didn't, uh, um, we just, we couldn't get, we couldn't get on any, any full coral rams and those drainages that we were hunting. We put in probably close to 60 miles in seven days. And we saw a lot of sheep. And we saw a lot of seven eighths and three quarter curls. Um, we just didn't the we just didn't get on any legal rams. But I think there's a <clears throat> there's a helicopter that was flying through the valley every day, and I think it it might have had some of the older rams kind of boogered out of there. So that's uh, we we're, we we're just finding younger younger animals. My son's knocking on the door. Oh. Just a second. Oh man, I think we're back on. Sorry about that, my. Uh... My son came out here. I think he's wanting to skin some wolves or something. Oh, that's okay. We're raising him right. I had to go visit the Golden Glacier and crack a few more beers for us anyway. So it was <laughs> Perfect. a good intermission. Anyway, so yeah, you guys had uh, not seen any legal sheep? No, yeah, we went out, covered a bunch of miles, lost a bunch of weight, and uh, I got my flip-flops eaten by a damn Arctic squirrel. I think Them I'm, Parker squirrels or yeah, whatever. Those yeah. things are the scourge of... I mean, I got a lot of stories about those things. They will eat anything. The The worst thing is they would get into your mountain house, even if, like, if you left anything unzipped, they'd get in there and they'd open them up and take a few bites and crap all over them. 
I think I'm actually going to bring some tiny snares out into the field next year in sheep camp. <laughs> I hear like, they're good to eat. Well, you know, after you've been eating Mountain House for four or five days, you just crave something real. So yeah, it's either that or shoot ptarmigan in it at a couple dollars a shot with my Weatherby. I, I think I'd rather just snare some slow food. Yeah. Spice up the dinner, add a few more calories into the diet. So but that was, uh, so yeah, we didn't, we, we saw some monster caribou, saw a bunch of rams. We got on, we got on one that, uh, <clears throat> we got on one that he was probably legal on both age and curl. And he was just like, we were below him and we, we were within, we were within striking distance. He was up in some atrocious stuff and we're looking at him, looking at him and just thought, you know, he's probably too close. He's too close for comfort, and uh, and so we just we just backed off. We exercised yeah. some patience, and and uh, and it's you know it's it's so hard to judge these things, it, even when when they are legal because you're looking at them and looking at them, and looking at them. And you go, yeah, yeah, just let them live another season. Yeah, I mean the I don't know in my experience the vast majority of, of rams that you know are that are killed and are legal aren't legal by too much. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a super tight thing. It takes a heck of a Ram to be able to look at a lit, just a little bit and be, yeah, he's good. Yeah. I mean, there's, we, we took a 38 incher in 2016 and took one of my buddies to go take his first Ram. And, uh, he was one of those Rams you look at and you go, Oh yeah, he's a shooter. And, and then we put the moves on him and, and my buddy, that's Steve Opat. He, yeah. he took him. It's actually kind of an interesting story because my buddy Brian and Steve were both going after this same ram. And Steve wrapped around the ridge on one side and Brian wrapped around the ridge on the other side. And they set up this sweet L-shaped ambush. <laughs> and they were both creeping in on this ram. And Brian was lined up on this sheep. You know, and he was slid his safety off, taking like his last long, slow exhale, getting ready to squeeze the trigger. And then the sheep falls over in front of him and he hears a rifle shot. He's like... <laughs> like oh, overjoyed man. and and also heartbroken at the same time and yeah I'm, I'm just happy they didn't get into a fist fight on the mountainside yeah that that wouldn't be pretty uh-uh so but yeah we uh that, that i mean that one was obviously legal but you know a week before i was up in the same area and i took a, a beautiful 36 incher not a monster just a real pretty just a real pretty doll ram and uh we're above them and you know when you're above them it's real easy for them to look short yeah and just laying there on this ridge about 250 yards above him on my belly and climbing in on climbing in on him like a lizard and i just i couldn't get the angle on his horns and couldn't get him to look the right direction finally i stuck my fingers up above my head and just wiggled my fingers to get him to see some motion and got him to look uphill and i was like oh yep there we go tips come up above the bases boom yeah and it was like it was perfect until he fell a thousand feet off the wrong side of the mountain. Oh I like, man! And I had it planned out too because he was up on this knife edge ridge, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to shoot him in the spine. I'm going to anchor him right in his bed, and that's going to be it. I'm going to shoot him right in the spine. He's not going to wiggle, and it's going to be over. And like as his his final dying screw you to me. He gave like two kicks with his front legs and threw himself headfirst a thousand feet down the wrong side of the mountain. And we oh. couldn't go down the side of the mountain that he was on because it was just cliffs. 
for about 100 feet, and then it turned into just this hellaciously steep scree field. And so we had to bail off the other side of the mountain, get water, because we were out of water. You know, you're always doing yep. water management when you're on the alpine. And then, uh, and I didn't know if we were going to get him, because he was he hung up in that just ridiculously steep scree field that was split up with cliffs. And so <clears throat> we camped out. And the next morning, we just had to had to get our you know had to get our minds right and go go up this this mountain from the bottom and I stripped down to you know just just my gloves and my boots and and my pants and a and a shirt and a pocket knife and and I was able to scramble up the mountainside and you know I needed needed both hands and both feet to get up this thing because you know when you're on that super crumbly scree as soon as you take a step take a it, step and slide it, back yeah, half starts, a step yeah I just start sliding down so I was able to like scramble my way up to him and it was it was on this nasty stuff where every time you'd you'd take a step or move everything would like start crumbling and moving I thought yeah. I was just going to get washed down the whole mountain on an avalanche but I got up to him and uh and nudged him loose and they slid probably another 500 feet down the mountain and I was able to get down to him and we parted him out and and had like we didn't go out the best way. We went out the way that we knew we could get out. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, down a couple thousand feet, up a couple thousand feet, down a couple more thousand feet. And by the time we were done, we were, we were pretty much broke off. But, you know, you've been there. Every every, yeah. sheep, every successful sheep hunter has been there where you're, where you're questioning your judgment to actually do what you're doing because it's just so hard on your body. And, there, and there's something to be said for that going away you know you can make it or yeah. take the unknown that may turn out mm -hmm. to be easier. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that have tried to, including myself sometimes, have tried to take the unknown that you think is going to be way easier or shorter yeah. and you get you get up, boxed out or cliffed up. out and you got to go back and go the other way anyway. You end up in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah, you end up in the alder jungle that's, that's 15 feet high and... and and you're you're not even you're just stepping from alder to alder, or falling through it, and you're not yeah. even walking on the ground. It's just, you know it's just interesting. Yeah, one that reminded me of this uh, this story. Um, speaking of anchor, you know, and having him kick. It was that ram. I killed him down in the Alaska range, and he wasn't at a bad spot or anything, but he was bedded when I shot him, and. Basically, long story short, it got and and crawled down. It was it was about two hundred yards above this band of rams, and I think he was the smaller of the two. In hindsight, I get above him, and there's two rams, one laying facing away directly away, and this one oriented about broadside. And I couldn't decide which one was bigger. I spent like fifteen minutes looking at him, and finally, <laughs> just well, that one's. I'll just shoot that one. Yeah, and, you, you uh, know he's legal. I mean, any oh yeah, you hear it all the time. Any legal ram's a trophy, and and when you factor what you have to go through to get them, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and I was by myself, so you know, just that was the first solo sheep hunt I went on, and I figured, yeah, that that's all right. We're we're winning here. Yeah. yeah so I sure. shot him, and shot him, and just d rolled over in his bed yeah. and watched him for a little bit. All right, he's done. Went. Climbed, you know, a few hundred feet back up to my backpack, put all that stuff on, start walking down, and I get back to where I was, and he's laying there, like, kicking. And so, all right, well, shot him again. 
and get down there. And you, you didn't have two rams laying there, did you? No, I did not. No, nope. Thank goodness. Yeah, that would. Yeah, I don't I, even want to imagine that conundrum. I, I did that deer hunting in the Alpine when I was a kid, but it was a two deer area, so yeah. I, I was I was on the right side of the law, but I was in a real pickle with two dead deer in the Alpine by myself. Yeah, I'm sorry, I no, no, not at all. But uh, so I walked down there, and the first shot, I hit him a little farther forward than I thought. You know, kind of that, he's bedded, but kind of that high shoulder shot. And when he rolled over, he got his horn caught under a rock, and that was keeping him from getting up. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So he, he could have he could have made a run for it still, huh? Yeah, it could have been, uh, could have got pretty interesting there. I mean, another one, I think that one, I kind of bang flopped him, and it was a long ways. It took us about 45 minutes to get across this canyon over to him, get up there, and he's gone. There was one little patch of grass that he dropped in, and he was gone. It took us, like, almost an hour to find him, and he was only, I don't know how far, I don't remember, it's been so long ago, but he wasn't very far away. He had just, and the same thing, I hit him in front of the shoulder, and, I mean, it just dropped him. But he managed to move when we were out of sight and crawled in this hole under this big boulder. Huh. eventually i just found him because we're just kind of walking grids like he's he's right here somewhere and uh out of the corner of my eye I caught a patch of white and it was his ass sticking out of this hole under a boulder yeah and they they fight till the end i mean you got to give them credit they're they're hard animals yeah they spend their whole life running away from black bears and grizzly bears and wolves and wolverines and and then the occasional knucklehead foolish enough to head up into the high country to try to get them like yeah. high. But, but uh, yeah, that, that broom dram that I, you know, shot and then by myself going back, that just reminded me going down to get him out of that canyon. There was two options. I could go over this pass, basically above where I shot him. I could have I cut him up, left him there, gone and grabbed my camp, gone over the pass and bushwhack, kind of unknown. And I didn't do that. I went back down the way I'd came and there's, I don't know, a few hundred yard stretch of this canyon that I'm walking down the creek and it's huge boulder, like boulders the size of a house. And one spot in particular, I remember I had to decided it would be easier with that load because I had the whole sheep and camp and, you know, heavy back, like one of my old Cabela's frame backpacks and decided it'd be easier to stay up on the side hill and the willows and get around and... I mean, almost vertical, like I'm got a 120 pound backpack hanging on like, like Tarzan on these willows as I'm side hilling across this thing, just praying one of these things doesn't, one of them gave out. I would be upside down head first into the, into the Creek about a hundred feet down. As Wouldn't have, would not have been pretty laying there. Yeah. Laying there upside down, like a turtle on its back, having a high speed come apart, like, uh, yeah, oh like Steve, yeah. yeah. Yep, Steve's about to have a high speed come apart. Yeah. I yep. I got a good chuckle out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, totally true. I've had a couple of them and you like I said, the nice thing is usually there's a hunting part like one of the guys there is the voice of reason and just can kind of weather it out and then both of you get your bearings again and Yeah. Go go to yeah. work. But Yeah. Yeah, I I think the last one I had was on was was extracting Megaboo out of on the Trail of Tears through the Alder Jungle. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So back to Megaboo. Yeah. So when we we're when we we're in the Alaska Range chasing sheep, I sent one of my buddies who 
He's he's a hiker. He's not a sheep hunter yet because he hasn't killed a sheep. Yeah. He just likes takes rifle for a long walk. He's going to get one one of these days. But I sent him into a place that, that I had had uh, had some success. And he sends me an in-reach message when he's in the field and when I'm in the field. And he says, hey, I found your caribou. Don't fill your tag. And uh, I sent him a message back. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, don't fill your tag where you're at. Come back and find this one. And that was also part of why we didn't why I didn't take one of those other one of those other caribou when we were out yeah. sheep hunting. And so my buddy Steve Opat and I made a made a high speed strike mission into where this my buddy had found this giant caribou a couple of days later. And the the fascinating part of this whole thing is I've rarely do you find a caribou that stands still for a minute or an hour or a day. Yeah. This is a week later. I mean, and, normally you see one and then they may be 30 miles away the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with caribou they are just always moving. And the only thing I can think of is that he was in the back of this canyon in this alpine bowl rimmed out by a bunch of cliffs. And it was, it was the, the megaboo and this other 400 incher, which is a fantastic caribou. Um, they just happened to look small stand next to that one I got. But it was, I, I think they just stayed back there because they were in velvet and their horns weren't hard yet and they didn't want to march down through the timber and the brush with with soft horns, you know. Yeah, and I don't know, I, from what I've seen, it seems like some of those big bulls, they're just smart. Like, they know they can stay out of the bugs if they just stay up in those high bulls. Yeah, and he was in sheep country. Like, he was he was where the, the, the alpine turns to scree and he was just living mm-hmm. up there. And... Uh, so my buddy Steve and I thought, well, let's go see if he's still down there. And we packed super light. We weren't going to spend the night. We weren't going to stop moving. We didn't care what the weather was. We had a rain gear. We had, I don't know, a real light, like, wool top and bottom. And we waded across this river and then basically just jogged and hiked six miles back into the Alpine. And uh, we finally got up to where we could start, start glassing for where this caribou was. And... Uh, Steve spots this this big white ass sticking out of the alders, and he says, "Holy smokes, I think I see him!" And we put the big glass on him, and uh, and they were still there. I was in complete disbelief. I thought we were just going to go for a walk and eat some blueberries, and and uh, this like gargantuan caribou was still living back at the head of this canyon. And we dropped down to the alders, climbed through a ravine, put the sneak on him, got to about I don't know right around 200 yards between two and two, 250 yards and i'm laying there just watching this thing there's these two monster bulls and this one that was just and, and the one that was a little bit bigger than the other and they both kept like one would go into the alders and come out in another spot and then the other one would go into the alders and come out in another spot i was like they're both enormous but one's definitely bigger which one is it? Yeah. which one is it which one is it and then finally they both popped out and it's like oh yeah that's the one and uh you know, it was like that, that, that whole, like the foreplay of a stock leading up to taking an animal and, and it's, it's, some guys get really excited. Some guys get super focused and I was just kind of, I got super focused, but I was just kind of in, enjoying the entire thing. You know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of got over that high of being super excited and just soaking it all in. Cause a lot of times when you find an animal, it's like, Oh shoot, there he is. He's legal. Boom. Yeah. And it's over. And I think the the most exciting part of the hunt is that, like, that whole chain of events leading up to to squeezing, you know, making an exhale and squeezing the trigger. Because after that, it's just a lot of hard work. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know, I've found, and and sheep, you know, sheep in particular, it's it's kind of weird because so much. I mean, usually after you see them, there's a lot of work involved to yeah. get that shot, and you know, you get get excited. Like I get excited when it's like, all right, we're going after this one. Yeah. And here's the plan, which quickly turns to just just agony usually because you're yeah. pushing yourself pretty hard. Yeah. And I mean, so many times because you know, with sheep, my I don't know to to if I put it in a nutshell, you get out of sight and get to where you can shoot from completely out of sight. So so many times been spot this ram all right get out of sight and just praying that he's still there when you pop over that rise and a lot of times they haven't been but it kind of for me it's kind of like builds and builds and builds and then you pop over and he's there and then it starts building like oh this is going to happen like yeah he's done like this is you know and getting set up and set up and i don't know like i i get excited but more i kind of can, I don't know, control it or it, it doesn't really happen for me till after that sheep's on the ground. Yeah. And then just the wave of relief and yeah, it's like a huge weight gets lifted yeah. off of you. I mean, yeah. I talked with Frank about the whole mind game of, of sheep hunting and a lot of other yeah. stuff. It's just the, all this stress of, are you making the right decisions? Is he still going to be there? And then, man, it's just, you don't have a care in the world after. Yeah. I, I I trick myself when I feel myself starting to get hyped up and excited. Yeah. You can't, if you don't get excited about it, you should go find a new hobby. Because I, yeah. I still think it's, and I, I I still think it's really exciting and really cool. And But when it's when it's time to, to make that shot, like I, I convince, I, I start to think about how much work it's going to be. Yeah. And how hard it's going to be. And how much of a pain in the ass it's going to be to have to deal with all that. So I, I like temporarily remove myself from the excitement of I'm getting ready to squeeze a trigger on on an animal, and just you kind of just think about the mechanics of of what we're going to have to do to extract this creature from the location it's in, and uh, and then I I just kind of get mechanical, take a take a couple of breaths, breathe out, and then and send it. This caribou, I'm shooting a 300 Weatherby. And I know everybody has a preference, and that's not why I mentioned that. But it's it's a powerful cartridge. Yeah. I right double lunged him, and he's I I part of it is I had no idea how big those Central Alaska caribou are. They're big, and they're surprisingly big. And I and he just soaked it up and started trotting away. And so I put another one in him, and put another one in him, and finally I put the fourth and last shot in him and he fell over and then slid down a scree field on his face and i'm thinking to myself what i, I know i'm not a terrible shot yeah <laughs> and every shot i hit him every time and uh we just soaked it up it was unbelievable and we steve got up to him before i did because i'd you know after, after i'd emptied my rifle on this thing i'm just like laying there in the alpine just kind of soaking smoking it brass laying all over the yeah, place smoking <laughs> brass laying all over the place rifle barrels steaming yeah. in, in the rain and uh we we hike over to him and steve beat me to him and he was like checking him out you know and steve was just in in awe and uh i look at this thing and i go oh no <laughs> What have we done? 
and Steve, he was he was just so ecstatic. He's like, "This is awesome. This is huge. I've never seen one this big." And I I agree with him. I'd never seen a caribou that big before. People have killed plenty of caribou bigger than that, but like, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a trophy hunter. I'm a meat hunter. My eyes point forward. I like to eat meat, and so the only time I shoot something as big is when I don't come across something smaller first. Yeah. But we got up to him, and I'm looking at him. And I had kind of this oh shit realization that we're completely screwed because we're six miles deep in the mountains and we don't have overnight gear. The weather's turning sour like the Alaska range does. I mean, fortunately, it's summertime. We're not going to freeze, but you can yeah. still get, you know, you you get wet, you can get cold, you can get in a bad way. And we are a long ways from any spruce trees to get under and start a fire. Mm-hmm. So like, I honestly believe if I can find a spruce tree, I can start a fire and stay alive. Yeah. But we were miles away from the spruce trees. I mean, there's just a bunch of wet willows and, and alders and whatnot. I told Steve, I said, we're completely screwed, man. We got to get this thing out of here. We got a long ways to go, and we got some nasty country to cover, and it's going to be a late, late night. And uh, um, so we we went to work, parting that caribou out, sliced him, diced him. And uh, he, he looks over at me and says, hey, you going to mount this thing? I said, not with this cape. And he said, good. And he cut the ear off and threw it down the mountain. <laughs> so we... we uh, we couldn't go back on that decision, and I'm. It was the right call at yeah. the time. I, I've had some other buddies give me grief about not packing that cape out, but I was like, "Eh, I can always go find another cape." We it's just, funny how it's funny how in the moment your decision making works. I don't know. There's been guys. Oh, why don't you bring you know bring out a life size sheep cape or half body? And I've always thought like so many times I've gone into it thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna." I'll do if I get a good one. Good one. I'll, I'll at least do a life size cape. Whether that's to sell that cape and just yeah. get a replacement one to yeah. reimburse some costs, but get a sheep down or whatever down and nah, screw that. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, the, there's men out there that could have got all that meat, or there's probably two men out there that could have got all that meat and the cape and the horns out in one trip. We are not those men. <laughs> I'll come right out and say what we did was monumental, and there's people that could pull off more than that. But it, we weren't. We didn't. We didn't have what it took to do that. I mean, we got. I stepped on the scale with all of it, all said and done. I think we got probably 220, 230 pounds of meat. Of, That's bo- of, of boned out meat. That's um, crazy. Yeah, I mean, because you were. I mean, you were telling me what that he's you know body size was like twice the size of any north slope caribou you'd yeah. seen yeah and i've i've taken fantastic caribou bulls up in the in the corridor with my bow and two guys can pick them up throw them in the bed of a pickup truck or you know drag them up into the bed of a pickup truck and away you go and this thing it it took two of us just to roll them over i mean it was and you know, and the scale doesn't lie. And with boned out meat, boned out meat, it was like 230 pounds of meat. It was obscene. So we that's, came. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he wasn't as big as an elk, but he was, he was almost as big as an elk. And people look at me like I'm like, whenever I tell that story, people think I'm lying to him. Then I show him a picture and they're like, that thing half moose. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, we, uh, we parted him out and we, I grabbed the, I don't know, 100 pounds of meat and the horns and stuck them on the top of my pack and walked down the Alpine Ridge. And Steve took the other, I don't know, 100 and, 
130 pounds of meat and we started out and until we got down where the, the alpine ridge drops off into the willows and the alders and uh and we're thrashing around the alders and we're losing light and our legs are smoked and we had to make a decision that if we were going to stash the the head and stash about 50 pounds of meat on a cliff and just hope that it was going to be there when we came back to get it yeah and like steve he's a, a flight nurse for life med and he had duty the next day so i had to get him back to fairbanks yeah like people's lives actually depend on him showing up at work so we uh we stashed that 50 pounds of meat stashed the horns and uh we drop into the actual what i call the trail of tears it was just this canyon full of alders and you're stepping over one alder and you're going under another and I mean, there's no way we were going to get the horns out that way anyway so it was good it was a good thing we left them and it was like i don't know maybe a half mile of that just just heartbreaking soul crushing alders inside of a canyon well it's and it's such a different feel like such a feeling of despair anytime you're having to punch through alders like that yeah like i i don't even know what to compare it to like you're like engulfed in quicksand or something. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, just will mentally break you because you're just having to fight every single step. Yeah. Every, you measure you measure success in inches in the alders. Yeah. You really do. And they're in that canyon. They weren't, it wasn't even like they're growing up. They're growing out from either side of the wall and then up. And so you're just having, you're having to weave through them and, and, you know, we were knee-deep in this creek. We have given up on trying to keep our feet dry. And so we're knee-deep in this creek fighting through all this stuff with 100 pounds of weight on our, you know, each of us with 100 pounds of weight just forcing ourselves through the brush and thrashing our way through. And finally, we break into this um, kind of this wider creek as it gets dark. And so I throw the headlamp on and and I look down and I see there's a great big fresh set of grizzly tracks. And, yeah. and uh, we, we only brought one rifle because we were going light and fast and you know stinking like caribou and one rifle coming out of a creek fresh grizzly bear tracks we're like well it is what it is well not you say that like as i've been there that i mean that same ram that i shot by myself and i made it the night i killed him not to get too sidetracked here but the night i killed him killed him in the afternoon got him back like three miles down to my camp and then the next day, it was another 14 miles back to the airstrip. And at a certain, you know, I had all these plans. Oh, you know, got plenty of time. It's like the day after opening day, get yeah. up in the morning and, well, I guess I'm going to load all the, you know, if it'll fit. And it did fit. So I'm carrying this all out and I'm, oh, I'll get yeah, halfway back, make camp, <laughs> make a big fire, roast up a bunch of this sheep and soak it in. But. I don't know, you get to a certain point and you're like, nope, I'm making it all yep. the way. And yep. uh, so I'm walking, when I got back down to the main river valley, walking up this old, you know, game trail, basically. And there's, you know, not that I'm scared of wolf, you know, I don't give too much credit to wolves as being a threat, but there's wolf tracks and grizzly bear tracks all over this trail. Yeah. And I'm just walking, got my rifle strapped in my pack, and it's just one of those things like, well, yeah. If it's my time, it's my time. I don't care. <laughs> this yeah. thing's heavy. Yep. It it is what it is. I'm just gonna deal with it and and the cards will fall where they where they may. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's sometimes well 
we're not nearly as much control as we think we are in in any given situation but in situations like that you realize how not in control of the situation you actually are yep and, yeah and the only way to to put yourself in a better position is just to keep moving just one foot in front of the other keep moving hell or high water just just don't quit and that's what we did i mean we we're walking out in the dark and uh yeah, we, came, we were coming out a different way than we were going in because we dropped into that canyon, into that creek, because there was no way we were going to go uphill with those loads. Mm-hmm. That, that caribou was going one direction. That was downhill. Yep. And uh, we came by this this bear-killed moose that was half rotten, and and so we're in the dark, and we're seeing bear tracks, and we're smelling rotten meat, and we're like, oh, this ain't good. Yeah, yeah. This is not Been there, good. too. You, you catch that whiff of rotten meat, you're like, yep. Oh. There's yeah. a grizzly bear right There's around here somewhere. Bear. Well, I mean, he was he was there. I mean, there was there was a dead moose. There's tracks. I mean, like he was living in there. Mm-hmm. And here we come, you know, stinking a hot, you know, hot car- bloody caribou. We're marching down the creek in the dark with my one little headlamp and uh, and singing songs and making noise and 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 acting like a bunch of hikers that you know the only thing we were missing were bells on our boots. But yeah, and. Uh, he just kept walking and walking and walking, and finally at, at like one in the morning, we're wading across this river and get back to the pickup truck, and uh, and we, you know, we got out of there, and then with with the first half of the load, and and uh, hauled ass back to town, and uh, got Steve to work. He got a cat nap in, and then I was laid up on the couch like completely wrecked that day. I think I. I drank a six pack of beer. Yeah. Ate ate a large pizza. I was trying to carve back up and get my mind right for the for the trip back in the following day because I had to go get that other fifty pounds of meat in the head. And fortunately I was able to get one of my buddies who's he's not a hunter, but he's he's a hell of an outdoorsman, does adventure races. I call him meat pistons because like he is the guy to call when we have meat on the ground. He, yeah. He doesn't like to, <laughs> he doesn't like to hunt because he thinks it's too boring. But he really likes to go get free meat off the mountainside. Yeah. So he's the guy we call whenever we have something down in like some atrociously terrible spot. So I call it meat pistons. And I we, need uh, one of those guys in my life. Yeah, I'll, I'll loan them out to you at a price. <laughs> we'll sub, I'll subcontract them to you. Yeah, sounds sounds like a plan to me. So yeah, we we headed back down there and uh, brought his dog with us just in case there was a bear on that meat. You know, it'd be nice to have some early warning or whatever. And it. The uh, marched in about five miles back to where we had the the horns and the meat cached, and uh, we had to bring machetes and chop out that creek. So we ended up chopping out like a quarter mile of that canyon oh. with machetes in there. I mean, just chopping and chopping and chopping and chopping because it was, you know, the alders were overhead. And there's no way we were going to get those horns through the through yeah the, through the alders if we didn't actually clear a trail. That was the only way they were going to come out. So we. Uh, we slowly and meticulously chopped the chopped the canyon away with our machetes. And got to the meat. The only thing that had messed with it was uh, like an Arctic ground squirrel had gnawed away the side of the game bag and and had a steak. Yeah. And um, and then we loaded up and and headed back out and and that was that. And uh, I, like I knew it was I knew it was big. I didn't know how big it was until we got back and and put the tape on it. But he ended up green scoring out 
uh, well, Boone and Crockett and SCI measure a little bit. They're, they have some slightly different measurements. We've measured it out on Boone, Boone and Crockett's score sheet. And he was like 457 inches green. Man, which I don't know anything about scoring caribou, but haven't seen the thing in the store there. thing yeah. is a giant. Yeah, I think... Uh, um, I think 400 is all time book and we're way, way over that, of course. And I'm, I don't know if there was something bigger taken in Alaska this year. It may have been the biggest caribou taken in Alaska. I don't know. It may be, maybe not be, I could care less. I mean, I got a bunch of meat in my freezer. That's what's important. Yeah. And he was tasty because we got him in the Alpine in August. Yeah. So, you know, I think kind of get funky if you shoot him in, in, yeah, in I mean, September, you get him, get him in the rut and dogs won't even eat it no you can't even use well you can't use them for bait but i don't i think a wolverine would probably turn their nose up at ruddy caribou yeah it's like just the the smell of it Mm -hmm. you you can't even Mm -hmm. put it into words it's almost in that same category as flesh and a brown bear that's been eaten on a on a year old rotten whale yeah the the only thing that i've i think might be worse than that is is ruddy billy goat and i was on a on a goat hunt when I was a kid, and we took a ruddy billy goat off the cliffs right above the ocean, and I was dry heaving as I was cutting this this billy goat apart, and I was like, I am never being involved in this again. This is just, this is not yeah. good. <laughs> this is not good. Which, which side note, mountain goats, they say they're not goats, right? I'm no biologist, and I don't pretend to be. They're, they're, they say they're an antelope, right? Or they're more antelope, yeah. They're, they're I the, don't, I don't know. They're, Every Cap, they're Capernet, which sheep, goats, Rocky Mountain goats, and muskox are all in that Capernet class or genus or species or whatever. I'm not a biologist. I'm showing, yeah. I'm showing my ignorance here. But but it's, I don't know, of all the, all the goats, and I haven't cut up a tremendous amount of goats, but they smell exactly, I've, I've also been intrigued by this because they say they're not goats. They smell exactly like a farm goat. Yeah. They look like a goat. They act like a goat. Well, they smell like piss. Because they just piss all over <laughs> themselves. Just, yeah, that, maybe just, that's it. Just, they just smell like piss. Except for that one that I got this fall. He smelled like salt water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good goat to get one that yeah. tumbles right down to the right down to the, the, the certain, tide line. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Um but yeah, the, the we got the um got that caribou officially scored after it dried out and it was uh he ended up being 454 and 7 eighths boone and crockett and <coughs> excuse me and he ended up being 450 sci so man yeah I'll, I'll never get one that big again i probably won't ever see one that big again and well it's I, kind, of, kind of like the black bear i killed when i was 18 for probably the average interior black bear yeah. was like five and a half foot you know yeah. you get anything over six foot it's a big boar yeah I just pure luck, you know, the first bait station I ever put out quarter mile off an unnamed highway, not too far out of town. Yeah. Shot this bear and didn't even know what I had. How far from the transfer site was he? He was far enough, (laughs) (laughs) far enough to be legal. Anyway, you know, I, I shot him at like midnight, walk up and I couldn't hardly, could hardly roll this thing over. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was. 18 years old just graduated high school just yeah. uh super green anyway get up uh so i'm like man i don't want to screw this thing up scanning him in the dark and go back to town come back 
early the next morning, you know, got a couple hours of sleep, came back and I was tell got the one of my high school teachers that kind of teamed up with me on that bait station and uh he came out and I but I was telling my dad, I, was, ah, I think I got a I got a, a big one. You know, and I was not trying to be overly excited. I think I was like, I think he's probably six and a half foot, and I didn't know what I was talking about at the time. Yeah, I got a berry's black. Yeah, basically, it's <laughs> going there. That thing squared right at eight foot. That's insane. With like twenty and fifteen inch, fifteen sixteenth skull, which didn't you know a sixteenth off making Boone and Crockett. Yeah, but he and really he had a small head for as big as he was, yeah. but. I'll never in my life see another bear like that in the interior. It's just not going to happen. No, I I grew up down in southeast, and we would there were seven foot bears everywhere. Yeah, there are bears, there are big black bears all over the place. I mean, just everywhere. There's big black bears everywhere. But anything over seven and a half, you're getting into something that was pretty special. I mean, the the there's a lot of seven foot bears down there. There's not many seven and a half foot bears. I guess it, it's the squaring a bear seems to be. I get different stories from everybody, but a yeah, true seven yeah. and a half foot bear, and that's the biggest one I've ever taken. Was as a kid, and I took a seven and a half foot black bear off the beach inside of town, and and uh, yeah, that was that was a, a pretty good sized bear. It was a special kind of a special deal with my dad, and I it was a cool hunt. But an eight foot, a true eight foot black bear is like. That's like the Megaboo. That's a unicorn. They just don't. Yeah. They, they're out there, but the probability of finding one is so low that it's just, it's, they're almost non-existent. That's, that's yeah. And it was just, and special animal. like I said, I mean, it was completely dumb luck that he happened to stumble in at that time. I mean, I, I had no idea what, I knew he was big, but I had no idea what I had. My uncles were pissed. Yeah. Like, you have no idea how many nights I've sat and never, and not seen a thing, and then, you know, super green at it, go out and, and shoot this bear. Is he a big one? <laughs> yeah. No, it's sometimes better to be lucky than good. I mean, I don't consider myself, I don't consider myself a better than average hunter. I just spend way more than average days in the field. I spend way more time in the field than most guys, than, than most yeah. regular guys. I don't know if I spend more time in the field than you, but that's really if luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And yeah. that's and that's a big thing, you know. You, if all you're doing is hunting Labor Day weekend or whatever every year, you know, yeah. you, you just realistically aren't going to get those chances. The more, you know, like I said, the more time you have in the field, and that's for any kind of hunting. The 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 more chances you're giving yourself to stumble into that opportunity. Yeah. That's kind of what I like about this real estate gig is I can, I can sneak out of town on a Monday when everybody's back to work and I can, I can have the river to myself and go, you know, catch a limit of fish or, or sneak out of town on a, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Cause I usually end up working the weekends anyways. So, mm-hmm. um, and go, go get up into the high country for a for a night and just see what i see and and you know even if you don't come out with a heavy pack you're you're in the alpine and it's it's generally a good experience whether you're successful or not i mean oh yeah if you measure success on whether or not you squeeze a trigger and put meat on the ground you're kind of missing the point i mean that's that's the you know it's 
part of the reason we go out there, but it's not the entire reason we go out there. I just like watching animals and, and, and being out. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, keep noticing these fancy ass boots you've got. Oh yeah. Are those yeah. scarpas? These are scarpas. I, uh, I get some funny looks from these. I'm, I'm breaking my feet into my new, my new hiking boots and I'm kind of, I figure if I wear them around town and, and wear them to work and, and then it won't be such a brutal adjustment when I have to go put 20 miles in a day on them because they'll already be broken. They're a little bit flashy, but I get them on, I get them on a, on a discount. So I figure I don't really care, but they're, they're comfy. And this has kind of been a, a bit of a development uh, moving away from all leather boots and getting into full synthetic boots. Cause I yeah. spend so much time up to my knees or up to my thighs in water because a lot of times that's the best way to that's like the one chink in the mountain's armor yeah and the the alders and the brush and everything else is just to to go thigh deep and wade right up the creeks until you can can break above tree line and my my leather scarpas heard my leather la sportivas were uh they just take forever to dry out and they get wet they get heavy and then they'd when they were saturated, they'd, they'd lose ankle support. So yeah, I'm going to give these full synthetic boots a try and see how they work out. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm actually, cause I'm going goat hunting here in like 10 days Yeah, and I'm going to squeeze one more hunt out of these, this, this set of Loas. I've been wearing Loas for quite a few years and I really like them. Um, I've worn out like three pairs of them. Yeah. Of course I'm kind of a fat guy. So I, I wear out boots a little quicker than, than some of the other people, but, uh, you're built for endurance, not speed. Yeah, I'm built for like like my buddy John Church said. I got one speed. That's slow. Yeah. Whether it's heavy or light, it's, it's slow. slow. Yeah. But uh, I can manage to get there. But yeah, I'm, I'm. I was gonna call it after the sheep after this last year's sheep hunt on these boots, but I they're they're not falling apart or anything. But um, you kind of get a feel for knowing when to retire stuff. But uh, I've been thinking of getting trying out some different whether scarpas or, or whatever, but uh, that was an interesting point. Have you ever tried out those river trekkers, the Neos hip waders? Uh, I know I've thought about it, and, and I was looking at getting a pair of those. But actually, I'm going a different, I, I'm going to try a different option this season. I bought a wear, pair of uh, whitewater kayaking dry pants. They weigh like a pound. Oh, that's not and bad. Yeah, and there's a sock foot, so you you throw them on and then you slide your sock foot down to the boot and you go march right up the river right up the drainage and then when you get to the the top of the drainage once you're done you know getting your feet in the water pull the pull the wading pants off or pull the dry pants off put on a seal skin sock yeah and uh because they have a cortex membrane in them Mm -hmm. so your feet won't get wet and then you just hike your boots dry yeah that makes sense um i guess i had never thought of doing it like that i uh you know it's just i get you like a lot of people, I get set in certain ways. I actually was on this cheap one that I've talked about so much. It was the first year I tried those uh, those Neos River Trekker hip waders that yeah. they they fit over your hiking boots and yeah. they've got a Vibram sole. And that was the first year I had them and hiked a lot of miles in them and like in in the creek. And I don't know. There's pluses and there's good things and bad things about them. They're a little heavy. I mean, over the years, most sheep hunts, if I've got to cross stuff, I've got those things. I've found it to be worth the weight. Yeah. And, and it sounds like those those uh, whitewater pants would be a little bit lighter, but I've found it worth the weight to carry something like that. Yeah. 
you know, but, but you're going with synthetic, all synthetic boots. It'll dry out a little quicker. Yeah. I think will work better with uh, the, your, your method. Well, we'll have to put them on the scale. I'm, I'm one of those, those, uh, weirdo ounce counters that, uh, you know, tries to have every, everything serve three purposes and no more weight than I absolutely have to. And I, I, I kind of nerd out on that sort of thing, but the, uh, I'd like to see the weight difference between those Neos and then what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nice that your, that your, uh, your boots don't get wet at all with the Neos, but then on the other hand, I can go deeper with, uh, you know, I can go the all pants. the pants. Yeah. I can go all the way up to my waist with Cause the there's pants. been a couple river crossings where it was sketchy, like yeah. right up, like you bury that, your, that water's piling up right at the very top of them and you get little splashes of cold down your down your yeah. crotch it kind of it'll wake you up in the morning for yeah. sure but yeah. uh and i don't know there, there's just positives and negatives those things are not you can hike up creeks in them and they're great for that and, and i've been using the same pair for eight years now no kidding they, and they're they still holding up fine i mean i pretty quickly i think even initially i i shoe gooed around certain seams and stuff just to as a protective measure but they've held up so well over the years, but they're not, they're not fun to hike in, but you can do it. I mean, you're in same thing. I'm sure with those pants, you're my, I just sweat in anything. So your yeah. legs are going to get sweaty and nasty, but, uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll strip down to my birthday suit when I'm, when I put those on, cause it's like wrapping your body in a trash bag, but, but the, uh, you know, I'll stay warm enough to keep walking up the Creek and I'll stay relatively dry. And, uh, I just figured it was going to be, I don't know, probably a pound lighter than getting those those Neos. Yeah, um, and you, you're going to have a little bit better agility just working on your, your hiking boots as opposed... It's one thing I've noticed if it's real nasty. I mean, I, yeah. I still love those overshoes, but you have this big giant like moon boot sole. Yeah. And whether that whether it, it helps you or hurts you in that swift current... I'm like trying trying to hold back a burp here. Yeah. Whether it help whether it helps or hurts you in that swift current, it feels like I mean you got a certain amount of drift going. Yeah. And your boots your your hiking boots stay dry, but there's some slop down there because there's some space between your boot and then the other sole. Yeah. When, when you're trying to tiptoe down a down a swift creek. Yeah. You, you got to be agile, otherwise you just end up washing down the river. Yeah, and that's that's no fun. There's been a couple that have kind of been right on the edge of what was probably sane to try yeah but uh that, that I'm, I'm really interested to hear how that works out for you and and uh see if maybe i need to change things up because i've been doing it this way for years and it works but there's like everything there's always some you know there's always a different way of doing it that yeah. may be a little more efficient and and work better well like the the crocs are are fine if you only have to cross once or twice and they're great camp shoes yeah as long as the squirrels don't eat them yeah but if you're if you're you know you know a lot of those times in those canyons those creeks are going from wall to wall and so you're you just spend half the day walking in crocs and which has no ankle support and so if you're like when i was down in the wrangles in september we were camp, coming out with a ram and uh we just said to hell with it and just went balls deep in the creek and just yeah. waited out because i i would w rather have wet feet and blisters than than a trashed ankle because i was walking in something with no ankle support with a, a heavy pack 
Yeah, another thing I uh, you mentioned earlier that I kind of wanted to come back to because I've been I, I think it's kind of funny to discuss. You mentioned your buddy's a a hiker still. Oh yeah, JT. Yeah, he's he he did a career in the military and his body's thrashed and and he's all broken down. But he's he's got more heart than anybody I know. So I'm going to try to drag him up into the Alpine this year and and see if I can't find a twister for him. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's funny because coming over and I, I I mean, I didn't know too well. I was going to give you crap about, oh, yep, you're just another one. <laughs> you're another GI that came up here. No, but man. You did, you did grow up here. But, but and I was born and raised. Yep. So that's more than I can say for myself. But, and it, it's kind of funny to know it. I know, you know, around town, like everyone's kind of gives the GIs a bad rap yeah. and there I mean rightfully so rightfully so there's some some buffoonery that goes on yeah. during hunting season that whether it's from inexperience or whatever but it's it's funny you know cuz the military does bring a lot of people up here and the guys that stay eventually just blend right in and yeah no I was just I was graduating flight school in 2006 fresh out of the Black Hawk course and um uh, we were looking at different options for assignments, and I had spent the last couple of years overseas. You're in Korea. You're down in Central America. And uh, I, I had Alaska was an option. I thought, shoot, I haven't had hunting season in a couple of years. I want to get back out, and I want to I want to go moose hunting. And uh, so I took Alaska and Fort Wainwright as an assignment and got back up here or got back to Alaska summer of 2006 and kind of bounced around in and out of here between 2006 and 2012 with deployments and different assignments and whatnot but got out of the army in 2012 i've just been living here full-time ever since nice do you do you like the interior better than southeast or i mean there, i'm sure there's things you like about both that are obviously you're living here so there's something you like about it well that's like saying do you like bacon more than sausage yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah they're, yeah, they're, they're, I walked right into that yeah, one. Yeah, they're, they're they're both amazing in their in their in their own way. I mean, they both come from pork, or they both come from a pig, but they're 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 both incredible in their own way. No, I uh, um, I like being on the road system as opposed to being on being on an island. Yeah, but yeah, down in down in uh in petersburg i mean that was like the coolest place a person could grow up i mean i yeah. think anyways just I'm a biased. totally totally different type of options that you have yeah yeah i mean before i could drive when i was like i don't know i'd start commercial fishing when i was 13 or something on my dad's boat and the the first settlement check i got from from my first fishing season as a middle schooler i went and bought a, a little 14 foot john boat and a and a <coughs> And a jet outboard, and I was the scourge of Petersburg Creek. So I'd after school every day <laughs> in the fall, I'd I'd ride my bicycle home from school, I'd grab my Labrador, grab my shotgun, and uh, walk downtown, walk two blocks downtown, bring my dog inside the store, lean my shotgun up against the wall inside the hardware store, charge a box of shotgun shells to my old man's fishing boat account. <laughs> And uh, head over to the fuel dock, squirt five gallons of fuel in my boat, and then I'd go shoot a limit of mallards, like clockwork, just every day after school. And then when I got tired of cleaning ducks, I'd go fish cutthroat trout. And then I'd uh. drive my little jet boat back to town, tie it up in the harbor, and walk right back up through town with my shotgun and string of ducks and my le and my bird dog. So, yeah, that that's one thing that I 
Man, I wish we had cutthroats or, or trout around here. Yeah, I, I, that's, <clears throat> I miss the ocean, and I miss proper trout fishing. Yeah. That's like... Because that's something around Fairbanks, like, there's no wild trout basically north of the Alaska Range. Can I get a pinch from you? Yeah. Absolutely. We're getting serious now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never, but, had, uh, never had a problem with worms or long relationships. Yep. Me either. So. Well, no, I say I'm married, happily, yeah, very happily yeah, married. Very, yeah, me too. I guess never had a problem with worms. Yep, never. But, uh, yeah, I guess we're, I got sidetracked again. So, you know, you just mentioned in your buddy as a hiker, you know, aspiring sheep hiker. Yeah. It's funny, I've, uh, whether it's through my, you know, my own lens or observation, you see, you know, I've become, been very fortunate to become very experienced sheep hunting i think i've been sheep hunting for the last 14 or 15 years basically my entire adult life every year yeah and just the way and and you hear a lot like the way people grow through their hunting experience and it just happens to me that happens to be that i i've been most passionate about sheep hunting for the most part and looking back on myself i can see myself in this like you know first year hiker and then I call it the one sheep wonder. Yeah. Like you get, you get your first ram and it's awesome. And it's not to knock anybody, but man, you think, you know, it all like you've got it figured out once you get a sheep and, uh, and just super and not to say that I'm not gung ho about it, but super gung ho. Like that's all that matters. And I don't know. It's been interesting to see how it, how it's changed for me over the years and, and I mean, I got a killer tag this year, so yeah. Oh, so yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking for a whopper this year. But and, I, I would, I would halfway be tempted just to fly in and pack for you on that one, just to go hunt the 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 toke management area. I'm gonna remember you. I'm gonna remember that you said that. Well, I want to get on the <laughs> I want to get on the 40 mile list anyways, so I have preference. So yeah. So I if yeah. if, if your hunting buddies don't shake out on that or you're in a bind, let me know. It's because I'm. I could I could move some things around going on the opener if you're if you if you need a wingman. Yeah, or never hurts to have a third wingman too. Yeah, I may ru- I may completely ruin your sheep hunt by dipping over another giant caribou. On that <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. It's just so funny looking back over the years and, and completely ruining this because I have the one sheep wonder, and then I don't know what I'd call the next phases. But it's interesting as. And other guys I know that have been able to get multiple rams, like how your perspective changes over it. And, and everybody's a little different. Like some guys will knock one or two over and then they're looking for a big one. Yeah. And they won't shoot anything less. I'm a little, I'm a little less, been a little less picky, but I'm getting yeah. closer to where like this hunt, I'm like treating it as if I have to. At least I say this now. I could very well eat my words, but we will see. Yeah, we we, we can <laughs> we can convene this time next year and talk about all of our failures from this season. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. With every success, there's a multitude of of failures. Although two, you know, two years ago that was the first time in a long time that I didn't kill a sheep, and I passed myself out of three. So I think I'm getting better. Yeah. Well, you you can't. I go back and forth on this one. You can't you can't harvest big stuff if you if you fill your tag on small stuff. But nope. I also don't want to. I also don't like going home <laughs> with uh, with 
or I don't I like having cheap meat in the freezer or just having meat in the freezer so you know it's impractical to be a trophy hunter but it, it is exciting so yeah I, I can I can see arguments to both I I'm I personally I lack the self-control to be a good trophy hunter <laughs> yeah oh I've been in the same boat too my uncle actually would tell whoever I was going with take all his bullets and don't give him one until you see a 40 inch rim. <laughs> yeah. yeah i know I, I i hear that i don't consider myself nearly experienced enough to be that choosy i, I still consider it to be a, a great success to just come out of the field with a ram oh and it is <laughs> you know like they said any any legal ram you can get it's it's no joke getting them no i, I didn't even start chasing sheep until 2015 i drew the the late season delta controlled use area tag typical yeah typical guy no uh, sheep hunting would be cool and then draw the tag well <laughs> that joke's on me though i call that the ten thousand dollar tags i like i was like delta delta controlled use area flipped open the regs okay it's late season that's motorized well i guess i gotta go buy a new four-wheeler <laughs> I, I guess i better go get a new gun i guess i better go get a spot and scope gee whiz that was i would be interested to hear like on average the amount of money spent mm. and i don't know if i've talked about it on the podcast but with other buddies like on one hand i'm on one hand like looking back now i'm glad it took me this long to draw this toke tag because i feel like i can at least have a chance of doing it justice yeah but it's like and and it is gr on one hand great because there'd be a lot fewer tags if everybody that drew them was like you and me yeah but uh It'd be interesting to know to interesting to know like the average amount of money spent because a lot of these tags are you know get drawn by people that have never gone sheep hunting before yeah and it, it, oh we gotta we gotta gear up and I mean it took me years to accumulate the stuff <laughs> like my first couple of years sheep hunt I was hunting like the Cabela's leather boots and oh yeah and army pants and yeah just junk <laughs> yeah and if you look back in the day like read any of fred bear's books and some of the other guys that frank Gla glazer and and uh and some of those other slim more yeah about those like the guys that were up here in the the 20s 30s and 40s and the guys that were that were market hunting sheep i mean they're out there on wool pants with the trapper nelson pack board yeah just doing it i mean those guys those guys make us look soft. Oh yeah. So you ever you ever get to? I don't care who you are. If you get to feeling that you're pretty tough, mm -hmm. go pick up this book, Alaska's Wolfman. Yeah. And start reading about what that guy did. And wasn't he like carrying barrels full of nails up from Valdez or something? Something ridiculous. I don't know. Like I know that. he moved up here and and walked from Valdez to Fairbanks in the winter. This is like over three, well over three hundred miles. Yeah. And. I mean, just the dis like one, you know, there's so many stories from that guy, but one year or one period of time, he was hired to follow this caribou herd around in the White Mountains, walked his dogs into the ground. They wouldn't, he had to pick, or he may have had just had one with him, but he had to pick his dog up and carry it because it wouldn't walk anymore. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Would regularly walk from, because he owned the Black Rapids Lodge, walk from Black Rapids across the whole, basically the whole central Alaska range to the savage his cabin on the savage river yeah in like two or three days 
Well, he, I think I remember a story that he wrote. He was talking about gold mine and eating moose sandwiches, which was like two well-done moose steaks with a rare moose steak in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, that guy's just way hard. I'll never be that hard. Yeah, that guy was was something else. And my buddy, my buddy Frank, all, we all, we're all joking around. Oh, I may be tough, but I'm not Frank Glasser mm-mm, tough. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But yep. yeah, as a side note, if you want to read a really good book about like you know pre statehood Alaska and just a dude that did everything twice, um, yeah. Alaska's Wolfman, it's phenomenal book. Yeah, Alaska's Wolfman. The book about Slim Moore. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And then uh, there's this old, old bear guide out of southeast Alaska. There's, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but he wrote Grizzlies Don't, Ca- uh, Grizzlies Don't Come Easy and uh, My Lost Wilderness. If I, <coughs> excuse me, if I remember what it, uh, actually I have it on my bookshelf in my yeah. house. I'll, I'll, and we I'll could, let you know what we it is. we could get into a whole other podcast on awesome books in Alaska that, yeah. But that Alaska Yukon, it's like Alaska Yukon trophies won and lost. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good, pretty good book too. Yeah, yeah, we can. We're 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 getting way off subject here, but yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we got that that monster caribou out of the field, and then my uncle, one time wonder, late season Delta controlled use. Yeah, area. he's a he's a commercial fisherman down southeast Alaska. I told him to put in for that, <coughs> put in for that tag, and he drew it first time he applied for it want it and uh and uh and we had like you're gonna be disgusted but we were living in a toy hauler down by black rapids lodge and we were just glassing the glass in the mountains every day and we finally we saw a ram climbed up and and uh ended up taking uh, a 13 year old (coughs) a 13 year old 38 inch ram didn't have any teeth left in his face probably his last year on earth it was like one of the coolest trophies that i've i've ever been involved Jeez. in yeah i've heard of a couple of those guys draw oh yeah first time <laughs> draw that tag pick a canyon walk up there and sh- shoot one a couple miles up it happens it doesn't yeah well i, mean, I said it before sometimes it's better to be lucky than good yep so i mean we earned him i mean we had to we had to put in the mile. We had to put in some hard miles, and and we ended up hiking out in the darkness by headlamp. But but we we got a really cool sheep. Uh, his horns were super light, really dark age rings, and his age rings were were uh, well, you know, a thirteen year old ram. They're, yeah. they're really stacked up on that front of the horn. And just ton of age rings. Old 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 sheep. You could tell he was like he should have been. He should have had way more weight on him, I and mean, you could see his hip bones, and and he was. He was pretty lean for, for, Definitely an, for an early September. Sheep, living so. on living on borrowed time. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't going to make it through the winter, so we we did him a service to keep from yeah. having to live through or try to live <laughs> did, through another did him a, winter. Did him a solid. <laughs> yeah. So and then from there, went into into moose camp. They flew into a lake that was um, flew into a lake that had some good moose hunting in the past, and it was next to some mountains. So. We climbed up into the mountains and we we took a ram. Um, we figured we'd go shoot a ram for camp meat, and uh, got my buddy Brian his first ram. And I had uh, <clears throat> I had one that I I uh, that got away from me. I grazed him on his brisket and he ran up over the mountainside and got away. Great big old old ram. He was broke off at his at his three year age ring up by his eyeball. 
Jeez. deep down by his jaw, curled up, almost full curl as a double broomer broke off at his eyeballs. And uh, at the three-year ring, who knows how big he is. I'm, I'm not experienced enough to, to try to figure out how what his measurements were. But yeah. he, was, he looked like a bighorn. He was enormous. <coughs> so that was... It was a pretty high high taking Brian, getting Brian his first ram, and then it was a pretty low low having mine get away, and then uh, and uh, things kind of proceeded to go downhill from there. We hiked out, and uh, I got really sick in camp. We boned out that sheep and and uh, uh, shot some grouse as camp meat. I call it the revenge of the rough grouse, but. <laughs> I don't know if I wasn't practicing good camp hygiene or I drank some bad water when I was up in the Alpine because when I'm when I'm up above treeline, I usually just stick my face in the creek and suck down a bunch of water and keep yeah. hiking. And uh, I don't, my buddy didn't get sick, but I got violently ill for about a week and uh, laid in the tent, shivered with a fever, crapped my brains out, probably lost ten pounds, just just violently ill losing a bunch of weight no energy called in a plane to get us guy had a, a hard time getting off the lake had to abort a couple of take takeoffs and <coughs> excuse me and so i just said you know what just leave me here i'll wait for the other pilot and uh and so i just i lived out there for a couple more days until our regular pilot came to get us and uh and finally started to come out of it. I don't know if I had Jardia or a bad stomach bug, but I was probably the most ill. The last time I was that sick, <coughs> I was in Central America with some bad stomach bug, and it, it wiped me out for a while. But it, it messed me up bad, and, and it I was so sick that I was really questioning my decision to be that far away from help i mean i always could have pressed the, the yeah the oh ship button on the inreach and the air force could have came and hoisted me out of there but i don't want to i refuse to be that guy I'll yeah be it's like on. something's better be severely mm. busted or yeah unless i'm like have have a bone sticking out of my leg i'm not going to press the emergency button pride won't pride yeah. won't allow me to <laughs> yeah. do it you know but i i did think about it I definitely consider. I was like, nope, nope. I'm, uh, I'm just gonna have to tough this one out. Just, I'm, <laughs> I'm still breathing. I'm still living. I'm just gonna tough this one out and deal with it. <clears throat> and uh, um, fortunately, my buddy, he, uh, Brian, had some. He had some meds and some uh, like anti-nausea meds. And I, the guys in camp got kind of bummed out at me because I drank all the ginger ale and they didn't have anything to mix their whiskey <laughs> with. It's like. It's life or death. Screw yeah. you guys. I'm dying here. It's the only thing I could keep down was ginger ale. Hmm. Yeah, we came out of there and I was I was pretty sick, pretty weak, and and uh had to get my mojo back, so I I uh went down to the coast, went on a goat hunt and shot a goat and I rolled down to the shot him through the heart one shot, rolled down to the beach, field dressed <laughs> him, tossed him in the ocean, rinsed him out and and uh and uh carried him out actually got a, a life-size goat hide that i'm looking to get rid of so if you know anybody that's looking for a life-size goat hide if you want a goat hide life-size yep good hair good hair yeah that's uh it's another thing that don't happen I'd, I'd call that getting your mojo back 
getting you a yeah. goat that rolls right down to the salt water. Yeah. Better to be lucky than good. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that was uh that was that was redemption for uh season's end of twenty seventeen was to go take a nice nine and a half inch billy down on the ocean. Yeah, I'm uh yeah, like I said, heading down there here in ten days or so and not gonna hold my breath for that. No. No, that, that you don't <laughs> You you appreciate those those situations, but you should never expect them because you're going to be disappointed most yeah. of the time. So I'm actually thinking about going down next year. There's there's some there's some goat hunting in some places down there um, where you can't get a boat to the beach. So we're gonna we're gonna suit up in wetsuits and snorkels and and take my old rusty piece of trash Ruger and uh, swim in. That's, on, that, on the on the wetsuit and the mask and the snorkel and the flippers and that's taking it to a whole new level what's yep. your plan for getting them out uh that's kind of work in progress i'm gonna bring rope <laughs> i'm gonna bring rope and i'm gonna see what we can figure out i think if i if i if i tie a line around him and then i swim out through the surf and have one of my buddies give him a nudge that I'll be able to drag him out through the surf as long as it's not too big. I mean, I can't go off the surf's too big because it'll just kill me when I try to get on the beach. But this will be an interesting one to talk about next year if, yeah, I, if I can pull this thing off. Like Art. pushing Art. the helicopter pilot that thinks he's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, just, uh, I just, I like to think of creative ways to get into areas that other people can't get to. And that's... Sometimes that, that makes a big difference. That was the whole reason why I built that stupid jet boat was uh, was so I could get into the places that you can't super cub into. Yeah. And we've, we've had some luck getting into, um, um, getting into moose country where you can't get an airplane into. And because uh, you can... You can jump logs. You can skip over beaver dams. You can slide over rock bars. I mean, you just you got a fistful of throttle. It's twelve feet long with two hundred horsepower. Yeah, this is. We're not bar. talking like I've got a little a jet riverboat. Yeah, we're talking about a totally different animal here. No, this thing's like it's it's retarded. It's like the F sixteen <laughs> of jet boats. Yeah. It's like it's a two person boat that's twelve feet long with a two hundred horsepower motor and a half half inch of black plastic on the bottom. So. It's like I call it the water optional boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of those boat. Well, because like you know the the extreme shallows next to X is that where you can find yourself a long ways from floatable water. Yeah, in a hurry, yeah. you're taking it to the net another notch up. <laughs> well, this thing weighs it weighs less than half of what an, uh, an extreme shallow yeah. next to X does, and. uh you know, you can't put a lot on it, but two guys can put their their sheep packs on it, and you can head, I don't know, into all kinds of terrible places that you should never yeah. be. Uh, and I was I was actually able to get a moose on step with it. I had I have like uh, bucket seats with five point harnesses, and I had a, a hindquarter buckled in next to me, <laughs> and I had a had a bunch of rip. I had the ribs and a bunch of like neck meat up on the bow i could barely see up over this big pile of bloody meat on the bow and add another hind quarter and a couple of front quarters on the on the engine cowling and had to jump over a big log jam put a big dent in my boat it was just it was out of control but well we got it out of there yeah that's what's most important and 
And your boat's not at the bottom of the river, so no, she's she's uh, she's in cold storage right now with a tarp over her. But I'm I'm really excited to break that thing out. There's some new places that that I want to go try that uh, try that boat out on. That uh, there's just there's no other way to get to those places unless you're Frank Glazer and you're and you're willing to walk that far. I'm I'm not that hard, so I I need a mechanical yeah. advantage. Yep. Yeah, I'm uh, knowing a little inside info on on some of your plans for that. I'm I'm excited to see what you're able to do with that thing. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you you'll I'll definitely keep you posted, and might have to get you involved in some of that foolishness. Because yeah, I've got a little bit of valuable information that may or may not be able to be traded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the nice thing about good sheep hunting spots is if you have a couple of people that you trust that can keep their mouth shut and you can kind of trade some information work some new areas and you know i've been a few places you've been a few places and we can you know just try some new try some new experiences and try some new stuff out and see what see what works yeah absolutely so but yeah. what i really want to do is get that thing up on the north slope and go do some high-speed caribou hunting up off the sag river i think that'd be a riot that would be i know i've I've been too chicken to take my boat up there it's like every you know and that you i mean obviously yours is a totally different animal like i don't know just all the stories everyone seems like everyone takes an outboard jet up there even a lot of guys with the bigger boats it, I, it's pretty sketchy i i did it once with uh with a john boat up on the ivishiak and i put a hole in it and and so i was screaming down the ivishiak and the sag river with the plug out with three dead caribou up in this thing <laughs> and uh i was i was taking on water as fast as I, it would flow out of the drain hole and when we got back to the boat launch i just ran it right up on the beach and, yeah. <laughs> and left it there <laughs> but we, we we got out and uh and we we came out with three caribou so it worked out good i just had to pound the hole shut and and uh and get it welded up it was no big deal yeah so how how many you know how many stories guys have up here of just barely making it out by the skin of your teeth <laughs> yeah well, that's why they're good stories yeah that's why they're interesting yep well anyway i probably better let you get back to it i got some more wolves to finish putting up tonight it's going to be a long night i have a feeling i got two wolves and a wolverine i gotta finish prepping yeah. and fleshing and putting on board so uh but yeah i really appreciate you coming over and and doing this with me man i mean you got another another guy that's full of full of good stories and resources so hopefully it's been entertaining and and you've picked out a few little pieces of useful information <laughs> yeah it's a good time i think you should definitely keep this going and uh you know for for folks that are wanting to get in and do the stuff that we do this is this is, there's some good useful practical information here that uh it can can help guys get out in the field and hopefully learn from my mistakes so that way you don't have to repeat them i've lord knows i've made plenty of terrible mistakes out oh, in the back me, country. Too, me too <laughs> so that's what if i can just learn from other people's mistakes and not repeat my own i figure i'll be okay yeah you'll be ahead <laughs> of the game then so well yeah but, thanks for having me on here it's been fun yeah likewise man it's been a great time and uh thanks everybody for listening and if you have any questions or comments you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com and uh, tune in next time. Thanks.